Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to an extra special bonus episode of the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you on board for another episode this week. And guys, I know earlier in the week I said that I probably wasn't going to get to do this considering I had to go and cover the Vancouver Whitecaps versus Orlando City at BC Place here on Friday night. Well, guess what? It's Friday night and I'm not there. And there's a good reason for that. And that's because apparently I'm very terrible at reading my schedule or reading a calendar. And I've just discovered there's this very handy app in my iPhone called a calendar. I guess I'm going to have to take advantage of that and use it a a little bit more. But at least from my point of view, I get to have my cake and eat it as well, meaning that it's Friday night. I'm sitting here talking about Formula One, get to watch qualifying tomorrow morning just before lunchtime here. And uh, after that, I'll be going off to cover the Vancouver Whitecaps in Orlando City in the afternoon. And then that's great. I get to enjoy both of uh, bo- both the soccer game that I'm going to be at and also the Formula One, of course, watch the, uh, the the race live on Sunday morning. But my goodness, there certainly are plenty of things going on in the Formula One paddock, as there always is each and every day, every month, every week of every year. It's a a sport where things don't stay still for very long. Although I am not really looking forward to that almost one month break at the end of June, or sorry, not the end of June, but the end of July for the annual summer break, because that's about the one time a year that Formula One really drops off of the map uh, apart from Christmas. But hey, Let's not talk about that now. That's a little bit depressing. And there are plenty of other interesting and exciting things uh, to talk about, including the, yes, the ongoing saga. It it always seems to be, or at least I'm leading with a lot of Red Bull-centric news over the past couple of weeks. And uh, they're at it again. And this time, it's not so much Red Bull themselves making the, the, the news, but as Renault Chief Cyril Atabul, who has warned Red Bull that switching to Honda engines could cost them an opportunity to win a world championship before the sport is turned on its head and all the new regulations come out for 2021. Of course, uh, Red Bull has two options for next year. One is to stick with the uh, the, the Tag Heuer branded Renault engines that they've had for the past uh, couple of years. Well, actually, they have a long term partnership uh, with Renault. Of course, going back prior to the uh, the, the current uh, V6 uh, turbo hybrid engines that they've had since 2014. But it hasn't been truly 
uh, a successful partnership since uh, the the new uh, formula was introduced a couple of years ago. Renault just hasn't been quite up to speed, you know, no pun intended, <laughs> compared to Ferrari and uh, the the Mercedes. And uh, of course, um, um, Toro Rosso, uh, the junior team of Red Bull, have the, the the Honda engines. And being now that we're in the middle of the European season, which I always find kind of interesting that uh, Montreal gets thrown into it. But in all fairness, Montreal is probably more of a European city than a North American city, just having the the new, unique flavor and culture that uh, that Montreal has is uh, usually one of the circuits where we see the teams introduce a lot of upgrades. And uh, this week we are going to see upgrades for both the, uh, the the Renault and Honda engines. So it's going to be interesting to see which of the two manufacturers gets it right, uh, whether or not uh, we'll, we'll see any noticeable improvement in uh, performance. And also the, the next race coming uh, after Canada in a couple of weeks is the return of the French uh, Grand Prix at uh, Paul Ricard. And these are both power-sensitive circuits. So uh, Christian Horner, the team principal of Red Bull, hopes that after they get to really evaluate what's going on with both the Renault and the Honda engines over the next couple of races, that they will really be able to make the best possible decision that they can. And he said, we want the best engine that gives us the most competitive chances going forward. Whether that is a Renault or a Honda, is that is a decision that we've got to make within the next week or so. Hey, Guys, no pressure. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sticking with Red Bull still, uh, Christian Horner was also saying this week that he believes that Max Verstappen is still evolving as a driver. And this kind of comes on, I guess, a, a bit of the controversy or pressure that uh, that Max has been uh, under scrutiny, obviously. Uh, again, he had uh, did not have a very good weekend in Monaco, obviously, uh, putting it into the wall in uh, free practice number three. Didn't actually get to qualify, although he had a very good race, uh, had, had a couple little moments here and there. But uh, he believes that uh, that he that uh, that Max has been really backed into a corner to a certain extent, but he real, really feels that Max will turn it around in Canada this weekend. And so far, at least in the first two practice sessions, Max has been the quicker of the uh, out of all the drivers, actually. Uh, in free practice on Friday morning, in free practice two, Max set the fastest time of a 112.198, and that was uh, about two-tenths of a second. Well, not quite, about a, uh, a tenth and a half quicker than Kimi Raikkonen, who posted the second quickest time of 1 minute 12.328, and compare that to free practice number one, when Max set uh, a fastest session time of 1 minute 13 seconds, 0.302, which is about a tenth of a second quicker than Lewis Hamilton, who posted a 113.390. But having said that, uh, Daniel Ricardo believes that uh, although uh, they were uh, Max was fastest in the two practice sessions, he did say that he still believes that Mercedes is the team to beat in Canada this weekend. And uh, even though when you go and look at the free practice uh, number two session, Max uh, was about half a second quicker than Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Lewis finished in fourth in free practice two. Valtteri Bottas finished in uh, in P six. But uh, when you look at those times, they don't really look. 
all that impressive. But when you consider that Lewis was running, and Bojas for that fact, were both running the uh, Ultrasoft tires compared to the uh, the Hypersofts, they uh, that's actually a pretty good uh, uh, a pretty good time for both the Mercedes. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, Ricardo thinks that uh, the Mercedes had some pretty good uh, pace on Friday, and even on the harder uh, compound tires, they were still posting some very very good times. And if you look back just a year ago, it was a real low point for Mercedes after Monaco. It was a disaster all the way around. It's probably one of the least impressive races that they've had in the modern turbo hybrid era and since 2014 and uh, they basically worked 24 7 after monaco to turn it around and it was all mercedes uh, that afternoon and uh yeah lewis won again last year i think that was what his third canadian grand prix that he won in a row i think yes that's correct he won in 2015 2016 2017 and if the Mercedes has pace, and by all accounts they do, why would you bet against Lewis Hamilton not winning on Sunday afternoon? He's got six Canadian Grand Prix victories to his name since uh, starting in 2007 was his first. And that is only one less than the legendary Michael Schumacher, who won it seven times. And those two guys have really owned the Canadian Grand Prix. The next driver that has uh, that comes even close to them is uh, Nelson Piquet, who won in 1982, 84, and 1991. And he's still a mile off compared to Lewis and Michael Schumacher. Anyways, we can uh, come back and talk a little bit more about uh, that. But just uh, finishing off that thought uh, with uh, with Max Verstappen, uh, of, of course, he's had all those uh, problems over the, the, the opening half dozen races of the year. And, you know, you, you kind of have to feel sorry for the guy because uh, there was a press conference on Thursday. He got a little bit snippy with the, uh, with the media and he got a little bit irritated with them. And he said, quote, I'm getting really tired of all the questions on the topic. I think if I get any more, I might headbutt someone. <laughs> so Max, obviously he is under the microscope. Obviously there are a lot of questions uh, coming and being pointed at him and, and rightly so. I mean, he is in Formula One. It's a high pressure sport and you're expected to, to deliver. And I think if you're a driver of the caliber of Max Verstappen, if things aren't going right, I think it's justifiable that the, those questions should be asked. And I, you know, personally, I don't think that uh, that Max should change the way that he does things, the way that he races. And I completely agree with what uh, Dr. Helmut Marco said a couple of weeks ago, that uh, most of Max's problems, or well, all of his problems, are basically down to, to, to patience. I think that if Max could just maybe learn that patience and just maybe learn when to, to push things and when just to, to just ease off, I think that he would improve so much as a driver. Well, I'm, I don't think he's going to improve much of a driver, but I think he would avoid getting into these sticky situations that uh, that we've seen, especially uh, this year. And if Max can put it together, obviously Red Bull have a competitive car. Whether or not there'll be a, a match for Ferrari and Mercedes the, the rest of the year, that is the $64,000 question. But they've got two very, very good drivers in Verstappen and Ricardo, And why not? I mean, Max, only 20 years old, only in his fourth year in uh, Formula One or his fourth season racing. And he's broken all the numerous age-related records, uh, including winning the, uh, the, he was uh, Formula One's youngest Grand Prix winner ever when he won the Spanish Grand Prix in 2016, when I think he was like seven years old or something (laughs) like that. Well, obviously he was older than that, but uh, obviously very, very 
impressive what Max has done. And I really hope that that he gets it figured out sooner rather than later because he had a couple of very good and impressive uh, first couple of seasons in Formula One. And then last year, it was just, it was uh, Anis Horribles for Max had so many problems with the car and came back uh, later in the year and uh, and had some good results then. And uh, this year, obviously, things just aren't going right for Max. And, and Formula One's better when Max Verstappen is, uh, is on form and when he's uh, doing the things that Max does because we've seen so many times over these four short seasons of uh, Max Verstappen's Formula One career that he'll pass people where nobody else will dare to. And it always makes it exciting. And of course, uh, again, we've got more Red Bull news. I think we're just going to rename this to, I don't know, some sort of Red Bull tribute podcast. It just seems that every episode I do, there seems to be tons, way more, tons more Red Bull news than anyone else. But uh, just talking about Verstappen's teammate now, Daniel Ricciardo, and uh, he's hoping to avoid any Canadian Grand Prix grid penalties. And this comes on the heels of uh, the mechanical issue he had with his MGUK in Monaco, which failed about the 20th lap. And uh, that would have um, mean that I think he's already been through three already this year. So it would have been already uh, a 10 grid, uh, grid place uh, penalty for Sunday if that had to be uh, replaced with a new one. But uh, despite uh, the, the problem that he has, the team has been able to use the one that uh, caused him a bit of problem that it failed in China, but uh, they've been able to reclaim that one and put it back on the car. And uh, if they can uh, get this piece, uh, that uh, MGUK unit working on Ricardo's car, then he won't actually have to uh, suffer that 10 grid pace or grid place penalty for the start of the, the the race on Sunday. So that would be good news because that would be really disappointing. I mean, Danny's win in Monaco with that, uh, that faulty uh, MGUK, which sapped him of so much power uh, and basically kept him from, well, I mean, it was what, 50 something laps that he had to run uh, basically with uh, about 150 horsepower less than everybody else is nothing uh, short of amazing. But the ironic and the unfortunate side to that is that uh, it still might come back to haunt him. And as impressive it was when he won in Monaco that uh, he still might suffer because of that. Now, this was a one uh, just going through the news here that uh, caught my eye. Sebastian Vettel said, and this is an article from ESPNF1.com, and he says that Kimi Raikkonen might be a favorite in Canada, but I'm not. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I saw that, I thought, well, is this a popularity thing? <laughs> well, I mean, we all know that Kimi has uh, a lot of fans around the world and uh, he is a very popular driver I, I don't know how that compares to Sebastian Vettel but apparently that is maybe a bit of a clickbaity thing or maybe a comprehension thing in the fact that maybe I misunderstood it <laughs> but anyways it is uh, more of the, uh, the the latter that is a comprehension thing because uh, Vettel was saying that uh, based on what he saw in Friday practice he does not see himself as a contender for victory in Canada even though uh, Kimi Räikkönen and his teammates set the second fastest time uh, was about a tenth and a half behind uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Vettel he struggled for p- pace in both the practice sessions and he was almost eight tenths of a second off the fastest time set by Verstappen and he was almost seven tenths off of the time set by his teammates so he is going to get an engine upgrade for the weekend and uh, even with that he was expected to be one of the favorites but he's just not happy and was just uh, only able to put in 17 laps 
in the the second practice session due to the car issues that uh, that he had at the uh, the, the Vigera, at the beginning of FP2 and uh, Vettel he just uh, he was pretty blunt about it he said uh, quote today we're not favorites Kimi I think was happier on one lap so probably he's one of the favorites I'm not but we'll see tomorrow this is an interesting story, and I was talking uh, earlier this week about uh, Brendan Hartley and the Toro Rosso. There was news that that uh, he uh, might not be sticking around for the entire season, and uh, apparently that's, there there is legs to that story. Hartley uh, is not out of his way of uh, Toro Rosso just yet, but apparently uh, Toro Rosso had approached uh, F-Formula 2 championship leader Lando Norris to take over Brendan Hartley's position in the team for the rest of the season and possibly for part of uh, 2019. He's the reserve driver for McLaren and uh, Toro Rosso. They did make a formal move to try and get him in there and uh, they did want Norris to make his debut at the Austrian Grand Prix uh, next month, which is about a, a week before the British Grand Prix, but uh, McLaren blocked the move. So uh, fascinating. <laughs> it, I, I guess, it really comes down to maybe not so much that uh, that they didn't want to kick out. Uh, well, obviously, Toro Rosa wanted to get rid of uh, Brendan Hartley, but I think that maybe speaks to the fact that maybe McLaren don't know what's going on with their own drivers for 2019. Uh, Fernando Alonso is uh, obviously trying to win the Triple Crown. He'll be off to Le Mans in a couple of weeks to race there and try and win uh, the the 24-hour race there with Toyota. Uh, He posted the fastest um, practice session time there about a week ago, and uh, he came out and just said that um, McLaren's not title contenders, so his uh, focus and his priority at this very moment is on Le Mans, and uh, you can kind of understand that. And and Fernando has gotten, I think, blunter and a little more to the the, the point. The the older that uh, he's gotten, uh, he at, at times over the past couple of years, when the uh, the Honda engine was not living up to expectations, and uh, blowing up all the time in the back of his McLaren was uh, pretty blunt and <laughs> it always made it quite interesting to hear what Fernando was uh, saying over race radio. I don't know if you guys remember last year, the Russian Grand Prix when uh, I think they were just coming around the final uh, uh, corner on the formation lap and uh, Alonso's car died and then the uh, the engineer said uh, on race radio, Fernando, why don't you try it a couple more times? He says, I've tried it. Why don't you come out here and try it for yourself? Obviously, he was a little pissed off that afternoon and uh, and rightfully so. But it uh, just uh, regarding Lando Norris, if McLaren's blocking that move, I can't imagine it's just because they don't want their reserve driver to go. But uh, this weekend, uh, uh, Michael Andretti, who's uh, involved with uh, Andretti Racing in Indy, where um, uh, Alonso raced last year in the Indy 500. Of course, that is the third race to win the, uh, the, the Triple Crown, uh, Monaco being the Formula One component. Um, was at the garage in uh, Montreal this afternoon on Friday. There is a race going on down in Texas this weekend for the IndyCar series, and uh, Michael has taken uh, time up to to come up to Canada instead. And of course, uh, Zach Brown has been down to Indy. Uh, McLaren thinking about fielding a team in that series, perhaps maybe as early as next year. So, so what's the deal? Is uh, Michael Andretti trying to convince Alonso to go and race for him? Is this some sort of uh, working together between Andretti Race? and McLaren who really knows but it's it's to me just based on uh, some of the things that Fernando's been saying just kind of reading between the lines I kind of really get the feeling that uh, Fernando is done with Formula One and I frankly would not be 
completely surprised if uh, at uh, at some point in the season, Fernando just says, you know what, guys, I, I've had enough. I've had my fill of Formula One. I'm going to go off to uh, to IndyCar or to endurance cars and uh, try and win Le Mans, try and win the Indy 500. I mean, uh, what, what Fernando did in Indy last year was absolutely amazing. I mean, the way that he was able to lay down some very quick lap times and uh, how well he did during the, the the rookie practice session was it was it was top class. I mean, the, the guy still has it. He's still quick. And uh, if you're a guy like Fernando Alonso, I can't imagine that uh, you would really like to be stuck middling in the in the middle half or bottom half of the pack in a McLaren that clearly is not as competitive as uh, the the teams that they supposedly consider themselves to be competitors to. I mean, the the, the Renault engine obviously has more power to it than uh, the Honda did, but still they're not really quite matching up to the Renault works team and they're still quite a long ways off compared to other teams, say like uh, the, the, the Red Bulls. I mean, they're kind of not even really the best of the rest. So Alonso, Maybe he's looking at some of those different opportunities. So we'll have to wait and see whether or not he sticks around for 2019 and beyond. Now, here's a story about a guy that uh, we've been talking about quite frequently here on the, the, the show over the past several several weeks. But I don't know if you guys heard the story this afternoon on Friday. But does it can it get any weirder with Roman Grosjean? Uh, obviously, he has been uh, another driver that's been under scrutiny and uh, under a lot of criticism so far this year. I mean, he crashed under that safety car period at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at the Baku City Circuit uh, about a month or so ago. Then he took out about 27 cars in the opening lap at uh, the Spanish Grand Prix when he lost control. Uh, the He lost the rear end of his car going into turn three and then, well, it wasn't 27 cars. He did take out car number 27, which is uh, Nico Hulkenberg and also Pierre Gasly. And uh, that was just... Uh, Classic Roman Grosjean. Anyways, uh, today on Friday at uh, the Canadian Grand Prix during practice, Rogro hit a marmot, a big ground, <laughs> a big groundhog, and uh, I mean, like I say, I, I mean, out of everybody in the entire Formula One world. I'm not surprised to see that Roman Grosjean hit a marmot, which, like I say, effectively a large groundhog. And he said that he was surprised it wasn't removed when it was first spotted on the television. And uh, he had it at the end of the uh, very long back straight there, right before you uh, get to the pit entry and then the chicane before the uh, notorious wall of uh, uh, champions. Why is that a difficult one to say? The wall of champions. There we go. And uh, Rogro said it was a big impact. It was a big animal. He says it's a bit disappointing because they showed it on TV before the beginning of the session at turn 13. And that's exactly where I hit it. I'm surprised they didn't move it. It's a shame for the animal, of course. And it's a shame that our front wing as well. We are quite limited on spare parts and losing a front wing like this is a bit disappointing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from the weird to the the, the practical and something that uh, will be uh, interesting to see when it is implemented, and that is that yellow flags will no longer disable DRS in Formula One. And uh, the drag redu- reduction system, which is uh, what DRS stands for, uh, is going to be changed after the FIA elected to alter the procedure ahead of the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. And race director Charlie Whiting's pre-weekend notes for every event have explained how yellows of particular places on the track will automatically cut the DRS. And when that happens, obviously that slows speeds. 
And one of the drawbacks of that is that sometimes uh, a driver will be robbed of DRS, especially during a qualifying session, because of an incident that happened further back on the track. And that's obviously impacted people over the years. So I think that's a a good decision for them to make. If uh, there's, of course, something uh, like an incident up ahead of a driver, if there's double wave yellows or whatever it might be, that's a, a completely different story. But if you're ahead of the incidents, then why should you be punished for it? All right, so one of the final pieces of news uh, this week is that uh, Renault has announced that all of their cars that are powered by Renault engines will have new power units uh, available for this weekend. So that includes Renault... Uh, Red Bull, I was going to say Toro Rosso, but I'm getting my Red Bulls mixed up. And of course, uh, McLaren. So all six of those cars will have new V6 engines for Canada. And Atabul uh, said that he wasn't sure if all of them would uh, would take new engines because all of the, the drivers have had different mileages in the uh, the, the first opening six races. and uh, But that's not the case. Uh, Sebastian Vettel also has a, a new Ferrari engine in the back. And uh, his uh, teammate is... Uh, Kimi uh, Raikkonen is not, so I wonder what uh, what the power difference is going to be. Uh, at least it doesn't look uh, very good so far because, uh, as I was talking about a little bit earlier, Kimi was actually posting faster times than Sebastian Vettel, so who knows? <laughs> the new engine may be not doing it uh, just quite yet for Ferrari but we will wait and see. Anyways, uh, let's just uh, look very quickly at what uh, we can expect this weekend at the Canadian Grand Prix. Pirelli has made three different compound tires available for the uh, for the race, the Super Soft, Ultra Soft, and the new Hyper Soft uh, tires. It's a very grippy circuit uh, being on the upper ends of the uh, the, the traction scale. Uh, there's uh, less downforce on it, and um, it is a fairly long race, 70 laps. The, uh, the circuit length is 4.361 kilometers, a total race distance of 305.270 kilometers, and Rubens Barrichello, good old Rubens, holds a lap record of 113.622, and that was set back in 2004. Obviously, uh, Max Verstappen was uh, lapping in the, uh, the low-minute 113s and the high 112s in practice, so we'll wait and see how that uh, translates to the race on Sunday afternoon. And uh, if you look at the the, the team's uh, Ferrari has uh, three more sets of the uh, Hypersofts uh, compared to uh, McLaren. They have eight, uh, uh, sorry, not McLaren, Mercedes. Mercedes has uh, taken uh, uh, five sets of the Hypersoft, five of the Ultrasofts, and three of the Supersofts. And uh, I know that uh, that uh, just going back over the past couple of races since the Hypersofts were introduced, that they weren't really working on that the, all that well with the uh, Mercedes W09. So uh, perhaps that is a, a strategic uh, thing. But uh, all all the other teams have uh, taken at least a couple more sets of the Hypersofts uh, compared to Mercedes. So it'll be interesting to see. And of course, we will have the uh, the inters and the wet tires available. But uh, just looking at the weather um, uh, forecast for Montreal, Saturday for qualifying and Sunday is uh, forecast to be sunny. It looks like it's going to be about 24 degrees Celsius, which is about 75 degrees Fahrenheit for my American friends. So hopefully we do not have to see those uh, intermediates or those wet tires introduced for the race. But we got to have a, a wet race at some point this year. It always makes things uh, interesting. And uh, I would think that if anybody would want to have a wet race, that would be uh, Max Verstappen because he clearly is in a, uh, a class of his own when it comes to 
<laughs> through these wet races. Anyways, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, Lewis Hamilton is uh, the the one guy that has won the race the most in the current field with uh, with six victories in uh, in Canada at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. Daniel Ricciardo won it in 2014 for Red Bull. Sebastian Vettel won it in 2013, and good old Jensen Button won it uh, in 2011. And uh, it's been pretty much those top three teams. Well, uh, that was uh, McLaren Mercedes, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012 was Lewis and Jensen winning it for McLaren. And that was probably about the last time in 2012 when uh, McLaren won a race. So it's been a very, very long time since we've seen them on the top step of the podium in Canada. Anyways, well, what do you think? Shall I, uh, shall I make a prediction for Sunday afternoon? Sure. Why not? Well, I really think that uh, that this is going to be a Mercedes weekend. I've got a real feeling that it's going to be sort of a very Spanish Grand Prix type of race that we saw maybe a month ago. I think uh, Lewis Hamilton's going to win this one. And I, I agree with Christian Horner. I think that, uh, that, um, that Max Verstappen is going to get uh, back in the groove. I think he's going to have a good race weekend in Montreal. So I'm going to say uh, it's going to be Lewis Hamilton winning... Max Verstappen, P2, and why not? Let's go for Kimi Raikkonen. I'm going to say Kimi's a bit of an outsider. Say Kimi Raikkonen comes home in P3. So that that's my bold prediction for this week. We'll wait and see whether or not it turns out. But hey, if, you're, if I get it right, I get it right. If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. And uh, well, let's just say that usually whenever I bet on something myself, I always usually come out on the wrong side of it. So there is that as well. Anyways, I think that's a good place to leave it for now as, like I say, a good opportunity for me to come back, talk a little bit about Formula One, considering my week turned out a little bit different than expected. So again, thank you all very much for listening. If you uh, enjoy and like the show, please do me a big favor and uh, and help help grow it. You can do that uh, by subscribing and leaving a very nice and kind and glowing review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you download this podcast. Uh, It would uh, mean a lot to myself and to my good friend Kevin Laramie, who's been off busy with other things for the time being. And uh, it's been interesting, I should say, uh, (laughs) hosting this program on my own. When you you co-host this, uh, as I do my my other podcast, uh, my my MLS, my soccer-related one, when you have a co-host, it's a, a little bit easier to bounce things off of each other. And uh, when you're on your own, you just got to try and keep it going. (laughs) Sometimes it works better than others. Anyways, before I go a little bit too far off track and get rambly and completely off topic, I think I'm going to stop it now before it turns into, well, maybe more of a hot mess and ended up right here. Anyways, thank you very much for for listening. Enjoy the Canadian Grand Prix qualifying here on Saturday and, of course, the race on Sunday afternoon. And we'll talk to you again soon. I'll be back on Monday night and uh, we'll talk to you then. Until that next time, that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. Network.com. 
Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?